Am I on? Yep, I guess so. Thanks, Jesse. Got to get my computer here. I don't print it out anymore. I just leave it on the computer. Just a waste of paper. Hopefully it works. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, thank you, everyone, for being here today. Um, this is a very special day. Uh, to the best of my knowledge and uh, what the history says, today is officially 200 years from the time that we incorporated as a church and when the first sermon was preached, 200 years right here on this corner. That's awesome. We have a lot to be thankful for. Yeah, I'm thankful for you too, Dan. Uh, I don't know, probably a bow tie. Uh, but uh, throughout the years, uh, and met for many years, they met in a barn. Uh, just some uh, kerosene lamps or whatever. And uh, fortunately, they didn't burn the barn down. But uh, they didn't have any heat. They hardly had any light. And uh, I imagine that they preached a lot longer than we do. When they got together, they stayed together for a while. Uh, amazing. So uh, we're gathered in your house today to worship you and praise you for what you've done for 200 years. Um, so I'm not going to say a lot today, but what I am saying is it's truly from my heart. Uh, we thank God for the many blessings that he's bestowed on us over these 200 years. And uh, I consider it a great honor and privilege to be here right now on this special day. We pray earnestly today as we reflect on our past and share a vision for the future that you will keep us in the center of your will here and uh, keep us healthy, keep us growing, keep us strong. And always focused on reaching the lost. Amen? So just for your information, it was Elder John Lewis who preached the first sermon. Uh, they had not yet called a pastor that quickly. And it was for some time that he preached, I believe it was a little over a year before an official pastor was called. Um, but they chose him to fill the pulpit during that time. So I think it's kind of cool that a couple of elders get to preach today too. Even though I'm not officially an elder right now. In my heart, I'm an elder. Um, so this morning, Dick and I will be sharing some thoughts and scriptures in celebration of this special day. Uh, we understand if you pray for our brevity. I get that word right, brevity? Everybody understand what I'm To be brief, yeah. It's tough with uh, Dick and I, but anyway, <clears throat> more so the Dick. But 
<clears throat> As always, I will point out to you, and I'm sharing with you what God has already shared with me. And I think Jesse certainly relates to that. Um, God puts you through the grinder in preparation of sharing what he's put you through for the week, um, both encouragement and uh, confrontation and all that stuff. So uh, here goes a little bit. So anyway, in preparation for today, I believe that God has brought to my attention the importance of soul winning or leading others to Christ. Um, I read many, read through many sermons, and uh, what stood out to me a lot was what did Christ really give up his son for? He gave up his son for souls. Right? Um, it's not our obedience. It's not our worship. It's not our money. It's none of those things. God gave up his only son for souls. And I'd just like to encourage us and remind us that that's the focus that we need to stay focused on, is encouraging and leading others planting seeds, whatever part of that process that you can be, um, that uh, we need to do that. And uh, we have uh, a lot of kids here, but I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, I'm sure that we're all very thankful for others who are bold enough to approach us in our need of Christ. And I'd like to personally, publicly thank Paul Baldwin for his willingness and abilities to lead me to Christ when I was ready. Uh, he, even though he was a young man, I don't know how old he was, maybe 17 or 18, uh, and I went forward, and he went through the Scripture with me and prayed with me, and I'll eternally, eternally be thankful to him for his willingness and abilities to lead me to Christ. I remember when I was a kid, we always had two, three men up front Whenever the preacher would preach and uh, encourage people to come forward for a dedication of themselves or to commit themselves to the Lord for the first time, I always had two, three men up front waiting to work with each one. Um, I'd like you to take a moment to reflect on your own salvation experience. Think about who God used to bring you to himself. So let's just take a few moments of quiet and, and remember what that was like for us and be thankful. You know, when I reflect on that, uh, you kind of get back the initial excitement, what it felt like for the first time when you knew you were saved. There's nothing like it. It's just, there's nothing like it. And so whenever you reflect back on that, on that moment when Christ reached down and, and yanked your soul out of hell and, and brought him, said, you're going to heaven with me, that's pretty awesome. And you realize that? 
Man, there's nothing like it. In Proverbs 11.30, it says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. The Bible study that uh, Jeremy has, he's been talking a lot about wisdom. And uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There's lots of verses about wisdom if you really want to study it. Um, but he that winneth souls certainly is wise. And of course, we're commanded to win souls. Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Again, these verses are very familiar to us. You know, God has blessed us with so many kids, and I was one of those kids back in the day when I was five or four. I don't know when I first came exactly, but I got scooted on the bus. Um, so we need to be prepared to lead others to Christ. There are many aids that we as Christians could take advantage of today when leading others to Christ. I have a number of them in my Bible, and I encourage everyone to do that. It's just a little guide, whatever works for you. And some are, work better with children, some work better with adults. Uh, but there are plenty of them around, and if you need help, uh, I'm sure the elders would be glad to assist you with getting some material. And all you do is go through it with them. And when... Uh, when you've led somebody to Christ, you can't wait to come to church the next Sunday and shout it. So let's lead these kids to Christ, shall we? Make sure that they're all um, following him. So my personal favorite is the Roman road. It lays it out in just a few simple verses, but clear. Uh, when we get to heaven and meet God face to face, when it comes time to cast our crowns at his feet, will we have any? Are we aware of how to earn those crowns? Well, that's a suggestion for a Bible study. We all want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I've learned over the years that there are many ways to grow a church, but the most important way, biblically speaking, is by leading others to Christ, soul winning. We currently are a healthy and growing church, and it feels good to be in the house of the Lord, amen? Um, it's just, when you walk out, it just feels good. And this is, this is a special time for us, and I, I'm, I cannot be more thankful. Um, God's blessed us in many ways. He's given us many kids. Sometimes there's more than 30. Some days there's more kids than adults. Uh, which is a lot of churches would kill for that situation, believe me. So we're very blessed. Um, I pray and hope that each child here today feels as loved, accepted, and encouraged by the adults as I did as, as a young child. It seems apparent that this is true. But let's not miss this opportunity to lead these kids to Christ. So if you're not quite sure how to do it. Get help. Seek help one of the elders and pastor. I consider him an elder. Um, get help 
so that you, when the time comes, you know just what to say to the kids because God has given them to us and they're an open book. Um, I came from, uh, my, my family and I came from a broken home. And uh, I remember uh, working in Awana. And there were many kids here who came week after week from broken homes. All kinds of stuff going on at home that they would share with you once in a while. And, uh, but they, were, they wouldn't miss coming every Tuesday, whatever night we had the Iwana. It was vitally important to them, and I relate to that in, in a big way. So I cannot even begin to share with you today how God used the previous generation of saints to impact my life. But I'm going to take a few minutes and try. Uh, because the, the saints that have gone on before me, of uh, the previous generation, uh, it's nice to hear their names mentioned again. You don't know who they are mostly. Some of you do. But I know who they are. And they are saints. And they've gone before you. And they sat in these chairs before you. And they did the work of the Lord before you. And they're a fine example to us as the next generation. So there was a man named Wayne Carroll. Uh, and he would come pick us up in this beat-up, I think it was a 52 Chevy, a little bus. There's pictures of it. Um, he, would, he would pick us up, me and my six siblings, and uh, we'd all hop on the bus, and he would pick us up and take us to church. And uh, that was a big deal. Uh, I thank God for his faithfulness. He was there all the time, no matter the weather, no matter what. You might not be ready, whatever, but he was always there. You could count on him like clockwork. He was there. He was going to come pick you up. Um, I thank God for my unsaved parents' persistence in getting us onto that bus every Sunday. So Dick used to say, you know, uh, I would get on the bus no matter what. Well, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story is, now think about my parents, right? When they got seven kids, dad's only home on the weekend. Uh, I'd kind of be encouraging the kids to get on the bus, right? So my parents could spend a few hours without us. And I, I think that uh, it must have been nice for my parents to get rid of all seven of us kids every Sunday morning for three hours. Amen? So it must have felt like a little bit of heaven to them as well. Um, you got seven kids, and all of a sudden, psh, you got no kids. Wow. Cool. So. But over the, over the years, uh, I'm thankful to say both my, both my parents did uh, accept the Lord as their Savior. So we got right to Sunday school where Marion and Helen Marsh would teach me so many of the beloved Old Testament stories. They never get old. They never get old. And I love them to this day. Um, so, does anybody know what I'm talking about when I say the dungeon? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, us older people, out front, 
in the front sanctuary underneath in a pit in a dungeon. Elva was last one in there probably, and the water is maybe this high now. Um, we used to have Sunday school classes down there. And uh, uh, there were many saints uh, who were there and teaching us. Um, now, the Mars sisters, they lived just up on West Ave. My brother and I li- lived in Lodi, the other side of Lodi. They would get out in their car, drive to Lodi, pick us up, and bring us to church on Sunday night. And they must have been, I'd say, late 60s. Uh, and from what I understand, I've come to understand, most women, especially older women, don't like to drive at night, uh, don't like bad weather, don't like all that stuff. But they were there. Now, Marion, you've got to understand, she drove 35, and then she drove 55. And then she drove 35, and then she had 55. She had two settings on her feet. I, I don't know why, but it was 55, and it was 35. Now, Wilbur Rydell, he would come. He was a pig farmer, and he worked like crazy. And he would also, he lived in Lodi, and he would also come pick us up. He had a Volkswagen Beetle. No heat. It's air-cooled engine. Middle of winter. You scrape the inside of the window. He had a little fan. You remember the old Volkswagens? He got a fan on the front. And the fan would just blow air onto the windshield. And he had a circle in the windshield where he could see. But he picked us up. We froze to death. But we got here. He picked us up. No matter what, their, their level of commitment was second to none. Um, it wasn't great. It wasn't a Cadillac, but we got here, and they went out of their way to bring us here. Uh, Howard Hunt was a Sunday school superintendent for many years, among many other jobs that he had, and uh, his wife, Sarah, was well known for fascinating missionary stories. If anybody remembers, when she got up to tell a missionary story, all the kids just got quiet. She had a gift. God used her. And the kids didn't mess around when she was telling her missionary story. I mean, we, we were laser-focused. She just had a gift. Um, and she loved us all. And, I mean, these people, they didn't just engage with you here at church. They got into your lives. Um... I worked with Sarah when I was a teenager. She would come pick me up in the morning, Sarah Hunt, and I milked cows with her in the morning, and then she would feed me breakfast. She would take me to school with her because she worked at the school, and then she would take me back, and I'd milk cows with her in, in the evening and take me home. I mean, and that's just one example. Uh, so it wasn't just, uh, yeah, I'll see you on Sunday. It was like, I'm going to see you every day this week. Or, uh, um, Peggy's not here this morning, but I remember uh, going to Peggy's house Easter Sunday before the sun came up. 
how many of us would get up before the sun comes up on Easter Sunday, and we would get together, and we'd watch the sun rise over the lake on Easter Sunday and share Scripture together. And she opened her house for that. And those are memories you just don't forget. It was freezing cold, mostly. Uh, you could see all your breath and everything, but it's a memory that's firmly implanted in my brain. Anyway, I got to go. Um, okay. Now, uh, the Wades are here, and I want to say a special thank you to them. Uh, they have dedicated their lives to service here on this corner and servicing and working for the Lord. And I want to thank them especially for all their efforts uh, that they've done in so many ways. It's, uh, I can't even begin to count all the ways that they've participated here. And uh, I want to thank Judy because when we were in school, when I was in school, and she was there and I knew she was from church, and I knew that if I had a problem or if I needed somebody to pray for me or I needed just a spiritual backup, she was there. And I could count on that. You know, if I'm having a rough day, I could say, Judy, you know, I, I wish you'd pray for me or something. And, and that's the impact of a Christian teacher, John, and I'm sure you had it. Uh, but she worked in the kitchen, and, uh, but I knew she was there. And I considered her my spiritual backup and just another person from church who I knew was there who I could count on to encourage me and support me. Um, Dave and Winnie Jones, uh, they're not here this morning either. Um, I could go on and on for them. Um, Ada Robinson, Len Robinson's mother. I could talk about her all day. Um, So... I'll let Dick speak, but I want to summarize my two main points. Firstly, we have a tremendous legacy here at First Baptist. Uh, Right here on the corner, 200 years of many, many saints that have gone on before us. Uh, And if I miss somebody, I apologize. There's so many. I can attest to the previous generation's high level of commitment to serving God by loving each other, and I see that happening now. Secondly, I believe that our focus needs to continue to be on leading the loss for Christ for the next 200 years. So keep up the good work. Praise God for what we have. And be willing to do whatever God has for you in his heart in your heart, and get ready to lead souls for him. And we can have baptisms and all kinds of stuff. Thank you for your time. Dick? Wow, what an honor this is. Um, This is just... uh, what Frank started out as is uh, it's the 200th actual day. Wow. I just, I just feel so, I'm just blown away. But um, I'm about seven years older than Frank, and um, 
I can remember uh, we had a pastor here named Pastor Reverend Black, and he, he was really, he was an outdoors man. He really liked to hunt and fish, and that was, that was the most fun trip I can ever remember as we went up to Canada to Buck Lake, and um, Dwayne Wade went with us, and uh, and uh, in Pastor Black's sixty Ford station wagon, it was it was blue, and uh, we'd be singing some you know Bible songs on the way up, and a little bit of contemporary in there, thrown in a little bit back when cars did have radios, you know, and 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 <laughs> not like today, like <laughs> but anyway. Um, I was sharing this with Frank yesterday. I says, we were singing Puff the Magic Dragon. Remember that song? Puff the Magic Dragon. You know, and we were <laughs> up to Buck Lake and we, we fished. And, but, you know, we, we just had, and we still do, we just had so much fun here. Wow. It was just, um, it was, uh, and, uh, you know, maybe I'll be like Paul Harvey. The rest of that story going back and um, was is that um, I was on the bus and Frank was probably about six and because uh, he, he told me the rest of the story yesterday. I think he was on a swing set and he hit a nail and it scraped his head. And so Wayne Carroll pulled in with that bus. Actually, it was a 47 Chevy because... I think it was 47, because it had the different grill. But anyway, we pulled in, and, um, well, you know, his older sister, Sharon, and and uh, I think Bruce, and I think the rest of the gang, the one I remember the mostly was Frank and Sharon, and um, his head was bleeding. And that kid cried. Like, not, you know, he wasn't crying because his head was bleeding. He wasn't crying because his head hurt. He was crying because he thought that he wouldn't be able to go to church. That's why he was crying. And, you know, and the bus driver, he went, well, you know, and I, I think maybe Marion or Helen or maybe his mother, he says, the Sharon goes, no, no, let him go. Yeah, he... Talk about dedication. There's a guy right there. It's dedicated. Um, and you know, and 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 I'm not saying it, but we're we're all dedicated. We love this group here. But I'm going to start out, and I'm going to ask you if you would turn to First Corinthians chapter thirteen. And I might have you participate a little bit. Can anybody tell me what this chapter is about? Mm -hmm. Well, my Bible that I have, I have several, NASB. Mine says, mine says here, the excellence of love. If I speak with the tongues of men, and of angels, but do not have love. I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy 
and know all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith as to move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. And I'm going to get to that part where it says provoked in a minute in, in my sermon here. I'm going to give you an example of that. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Yeah. Sometimes hard, sometimes hard to forgive, isn't it? It's not always easy. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there, are no, if there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, and we prophecy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly but then face to face, now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, love abides these three. But the greatest is love. Uh, When Frank and I met, he um, there a few days ago, and out the breakfast, and we we talked. He Frank asked me to describe our church in just one word. Well, you people knowing me, one word never does seem to come real easy, does it? Not with me. And I thought, and I thought, and I thought a long time. And I also put in there, not only to describe this church in one word, but it kind of goes hand in hand. What has bonded us together? What has kept what has kept First Baptist Church 
on this corner for 200 years today? What has kept it here? Why? Why are we here? All those people that Frank shared, they're all gone. They're all in heaven. So what, how, how did we carry this on? Did it just happen? No. No, it didn't happen. And some of you others here too, the Wades and Frank and I and Evelyn, John, we've been here at a time where there were times when I thought, a few times, I was kind of wondering, weren't you, Frank? So what got us through it? I think two things. I think the biggest thing, well, it's love too, but I think, I think it was a mustard seed made. The faith the size of a mustard seed. And God saw that in these hearts that were left here at First Baptist. And God took that mustard seed. He made it, took it down in the dungeon down there, but he planted it. And he says, that his blessings upon it. And he says, grow. Grow, people. Grow. Because we need this in Inner Lake in New York. But to move on a little bit, so I hope they get you out of here by two, but... Um, <laughs> Some of the women may have to go to the bathroom, you know, pretty soon. So, but anyway, or guys. But uh, like I said, what did come to my mind immediately is love. This church has love for one another. But I'm not talking about any kind of love. I'm talking the supernatural love. The kind of love that can only come from God above. That kind of love. I love my wife. Jesse loves his wife. We love our husbands. Is that the same? Well, no. This is a supernatural kind of love. Who put this John Deere here? That... that, that, that <laughs> Be something if I fall over it, huh? That only can come from God above. A forgiving love. Even when we think we are in the right. And boy, I'll tell you what. There's something right there. And we've all been there, haven't we? Somebody's wronged us. They don't, about the, the worst, the, the, the fastest way, what do they say? The fastest way to own a friendship, lose a friendship is loan somebody money, you know? 
Well, not always. A genuine love, a gentle, warm love. A love so strong that a man who had been my father-in-law approached me when I was pretending not to see him. And he said to me, Dickie, yeah, that's what kept us here. And he hugged me. And he told me how much he loved me. This kind of love is found only in a person who has surrendered his life over to God and is in perfect harmony with him. Perfect? No, not always. Only he is perfect. First John 4, 7 tells us, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who is born of God and knows God. John 15:10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So it starts from the Father. The Father has sent his Son to live and then die, suffer first, suffer a lot. And I'm getting to that part in a minute here. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that one would lay down his life for his friends. Now, those of you that attend Bible study, and, and that brings another point. Are you in a Bible study? You're missing. This guy over here, Jan Elsheimer, spoke of somebody doing this at last Bible study. I, I believe it was, I don't even know if the guy was a friend. Gave one of his organs away like to a stranger. Would we do this for someone here today? Would you? Jesus did that for us. He not only gave an organ, he died for us. Give us life. So what would be a kidney or an organ compared to what God did for us? And he did it, may I add, while we were yet in sin. Yeah. That really gets us thinking. It gets me thinking. I know that. While I was still a sinner, he gave me life. 
Would I give an organ to my wife? Of course I would. For my wife? Would I give it to a bum on a street, though? But Jesus did. Leviticus 19.18 says, You shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Well, I guess I'll reminisce a little bit here too. There was a lady years ago that was not only a member at our church, but she was a very active member. And her name was Marion Marsh. Now, everybody who went here, they knew the Marsh sisters. And uh, I think Marion was a gym teacher. I think Helen was a dietitian in a school, maybe the school somewhere. Am I right, Dwayne? I think so. And uh, Marion had the love of Christ, as, as so many of these people, and I'm not just singling Marion out when I'm going to say this. All those people that uh, Frank Porter mentioned today had this, what I'm going to say. But she had the love of Christ so deeply embedded into her heart that she just had no capacity to get angry. Do you ever met anybody like that? Wow. That's especially today, huh? You know, just if you happen to, you know, live on 89, uh, and he's getting to know that, you know, if you, if you, you look one minute there, uh, there's no car coming, and the next minute somebody is honking their horn at you. Yeah. But this lady just had, she just, I, I really believe this, that, she just had no capacity in her heart. Uh, uh, so I'm going to tell you. Well, she came to my mom and dad's house, and she had heard that I had just come home from the service, and I opened up this welding shop. And the first thing I did was I went to see the Wades, and I got with... Uh, Dwayne and Wanda there, and they, they sent me up a kind of a billing thing. Well, anyway, so the word got around there that um, Dick's doing welding and he's, he's fixing stuff. And anybody that knew Marion, Marion, <laughs> well, I looked at her as old when I, but you know, everybody was old then. <laughs> but she was probably younger than me. I don't know, Frank, right? I don't know, but. I looked at her as a pretty old lady, but uh, um, anyway, she would uh, she'd paint and she'd be out here painting and and the main sanctuary and painting radiators and stuff. Well, she wanted to come down and she wanted to see what Dickie Ross was doing out there. Well, I probably was sleeping then because I was working the night shift at Willard. And I think I was in the process of building my house. And so I was probably upstairs in Dad's house 
sleeping, and she went on into the shop there, and my dad and mom was out there. Well, dumbbell me, I had this 55-gallon drum of, of used oil, and I was servicing tractors and stuff. And you know how you dump used oil and... Um, in the barrel, it'll, it'll spill over, and she had a new white coat on. And this isn't going to be good. And she got up again, backed up against it or something, and she turned around, and just, just what my dad's, or my mother described this, and your father could have just shot you, Dick, for leaving that in the middle of the... Well, the back of her coat was all black. And it just wasn't good. And my my dad and mom insisted that she take it off and mom was going to give her another coat and I was going to get it dry cleaned or they were going to pay for it. And you know... You know, I'm going to lose my place here. I'm telling this story without even notes. I don't need them. But anyway, um, she, her, her words were absolutely not. You are not going to pay for this. It was, it, 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 you know, Richard and Jenny, it, it, was, just, it was just a mistake. That's all it was. It was just an accident. You're not going to pay for us. And Marion truly lived her faith in God. And it showed, as so many in our church has done. So my message here today is to love one another as Christ has first loved us. And anything that you could ever do for someone, and, you know, if at possible and within reason, I mean, you know, you're not going to loan somebody a million bucks, but within reason, please do so as God will reward you in doing this. As this is a good, this is also brings to mind what Frank had talked about, about um, getting new people in and witnessing. This is also a good way to share the gospel to someone who is unsaved. Perfect way. Think of someone, possibly your neighbor, a friend, a co-worker, and do something for that person this week. And while you're doing it, when you ask them that, or when, when you say, when you, you know, you don't have to do it in person, or but if you do it in person, do what John said last week. Where do you go to church?
And if they say nowhere, tell them you love them and will be praying for them. That's how to witness. That's what they did years ago. Boy, I'll tell you what, it worked then and it'll work today. It'll work, and I'll tell you something, it'll work even more today. Because back 200 years ago, they didn't have all the conveniences up and down interlaken. Even 100 years ago, well, even 50 years ago, that we do it today. They depended on their neighbor. I know I'm a farmer. You didn't have a baler with a thrower on it. You didn't have a baler. You had a wagon, you throw the hay loose. You got your neighbor to help you. But do something, and this is a good week to do it, folks, because Thursday's Thanksgiving. And sure, it's time to spend with your family. And when people think of Thanksgiving, they think of what? Well, you think of your, I'm going to get together with my kids and, and you know, and that's good. We're our two, you know. Darla's family's coming up from Florida. Uh, and, but think of somebody that you've been wanting to witness to. You know, hey, give them something. Do something for them. And use your God-given talents as you give to reflect on others. If you know, you know, I'll tell you something. If you, here's, here's another thing about you can share to witnessing, like what, what Frank talked about here. I'll give you an example here. To get people in the church too. If you know how to do carpenter work, say, you know what, I can use some help up there. I can use some help at the church. Get them involved. You don't necessarily have to say, well, I'll see you Sunday then if you don't go to church. You know, I do a little work up here. Could you help me? And you know what that's called? Teaching and equipping. And teaching equipment is also a good way to lead people to Christ, isn't it? A real good way. I can remember coming up here back in the, um, all four of us got saved in the main sanctuary. And um, I, I can remember coming up here in the early 60s with my father and uh, some of the fondest memories were spent right here at this church helping my dad pound nails. Not necessarily always at a sermon. Not necessarily always at a fun thing. Just dad and I. So you can do that too. Every one of you. Have God-given talents. Use your talents. Use that as a way to draw people in. John's got a great talent. 
kind of a comedian, you know. And you tell people, you know, hey, you know what? Church can be funny. It wasn't too funny when I went there 30 years ago. It's funny. You know? <laughs> but anyway. And um, we also had this thing on Friday night. Right? Do you remember Canteen? Friday night we had this kind of a group. I know Dwayne Wade does. There's a thing called Canteen, Friday night, and they had this uh, in, in the, it was in the library, yeah. As it was the kitchen was done, and I was back here helping my dad flip hamburgers and all that. We were cooking, and that's kind of how I learned how to cook. And so, but I had a lot of fond memories. It's been gone about six months now. But the most fondest memories that I had with him was right here at First Baptist Church of Inner Lincoln. Uh, okay, I guess I covered this. This Thursday's Thanksgiving. We are all thankful here today that we'll be spending eternity with our neighbors sitting next to you. And I challenge you this week, and it could even be this afternoon, as quick as this afternoon, to do something just spontaneous, out of nowhere. You don't even really have to tell them who you are. Leave something on somebody's door. And it could just be that stepping stone needed to turn their life around and even more so their soul. You don't know what you're doing there. But God knows. He will take that gift that you have, that you leave, and he'll use that through the power of the Holy Spirit, not that's within them, because they're not what's within you, to lead that person to Christ. Again, I am just so honored to be up here today. And, um, wow, so... Would you like to do the closing prayer, Jesse? Thank you.